0: their teachers or their therapists. Initially, this topic was going to be just how to help kids change their therapists, but I thought that might be really specific. So changing your teacher, you know, somebody that your child loves and has felt really bonded through the whole year is similar to changing therapists. So I thought I could speak on both of those, make this a little bit more general. This topic was Recommended by somebody that I had been treating, or the parent of somebody I've been treating for a very long time. And as uh, most of you know, my husband suddenly passed away in February. Maybe one day I will stop talking about it, (laughs) but not anytime soon. And uh, I closed my practice. I'm just trying to clear my plate and think of what I can cut out of my life to function. And definitely being away from my kids in the evenings. Thursdays and Fridays and on the weekend, Saturdays was just not going to work out as um, now a single parent, a title I did not want to have. So I know there are a lot of kids out there who I was treating, who have to transition to another therapist. And I'm not the only therapist that has life happen to them where they go on maternity leave or it's not the right fit. And you as a parent say, uh, eh, I really don't want this therapist or, or, and, or every school year, our kids have to change their teachers and that's a, that's a loss as well. So I'm going to go into some, some ways to reframe this for our kids that they can get some silver linings out of this. But before I get started, I want to give a, a big thank you out to no CD who is sponsoring this episode. If you haven't heard of no CD, you should because they provide online OCD therapy to not only adults, but to children and teens. And they provide online therapy in all of the States in the United States. And now they are expanding and they have providers in the UK and in Australia. And I I know they're trying to get into other places as well. So definitely check back uh, to schedule your free 15 minute consultation to see if no CD is a right fit for your child. You can simply go to the link in my show notes Or just go to treatmyocd.com and it's worth just having a discussion with them. They can do an assessment. So if you're not sure if your child has OCD, you can just get on the phone with a clinician and get an assessment done and know where to go from there. OCD is more often than not missed. It's mislabeled as anxiety or ADHD. And even though those are comorbid conditions, the OCD component gets missed so often. That I am really pleased that there is this accessibility solution that the barriers to treatment are less because we are getting more affordable, accessible, uh, quality care, and NoCD is is heading the game in that world. So thanks for that. Okay, let's dive into how to help our kids transition. It's something that my kids really struggle with every school year because my daughter, especially, she gets really bonded with the teacher or the nurse, <laughs> and when they change or the next school year, she's petrified that it's not going to be the same. And when our kids have to change therapists, it's even on a deeper level, if they like the therapist, because it's such a more intimate relationship, depending on your therapist's style, it can be like um, a mentorship or someone that they really look up to. And it's, they feel like it's part of their life and to lose that can be very, very overwhelming. So my reframe on this is that people do come into our lives for short periods of time. And sometimes they come in for longer periods of time. Sometimes they come into our life permanently, although nothing's permanent. And it's really helpful for us to teach our kids that, that we can get something from people and they can be different things, even if they're in the same role. And I'll kind of go into that. So my global reframe is that our kids are going to have to adapt And these changes, if we view them in a more positive light can be, you know, that it's teaching them adaptability. It's teaching them some flexibility. And that is something that every person is going to have to go through in life. And trust me right now, I'm living that my kids are living that, that need to adapt, that need to be flexible, that need to be resilient. And it's rough losing your teacher or your therapist, whether it's just by the natural end of the school year. Or your teacher has to leave in the middle of the year, which can be really disrupting. That did happen to my daughter this school year, which was really overwhelming. You know, or the therapist leaves, whether it's suddenly or it's a planned thing that can really turn things upside down for a while. And we want to teach our kids. How do you, how do you move through that? Because it's going to happen again and again and again, and we don't want to be negative about it. We want them to see it in a positive light. So I'm going to go through some concrete Ways to frame it to our kids. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy overnight, but it just gives you some direction on how to even talk about it. So the first thing I would say is, you know, let them sit in their grief. You know, now I'm going to turn into a grief counselor because of like my life right now. But losing a teacher or a therapist is a loss, and grieving is what we do when we have a loss, regardless of whether it's a you know a death or a pet or the loss of somebody in our world on a daily or weekly or monthly basis that's a loss and so i think sometimes we're quick to swoop in and try to put that bandaid on you know sugarcoat it you know sprinkle that sugar on there and say oh it's fine you're going to have a new teacher and it is really helpful and i feel like we don't do this enough with our kids is let them sit in their loss i know that it's hard i know that you're really going to miss her or him you know i know that You really enjoy it, blah, 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 and let them sit with that grief. So validating it is my first thing. And I know that may seem obvious, but a lot of times we're uncomfortable with the discomfort that our kids are sitting in. And so we want to speed that along, or we don't want them to sit in the discomfort at all. And pain is a life lesson and how to navigate through pain is a life lesson. So don't be afraid to do that. It's okay for your child to cry and to get, to get upset, to get sad. Validating that and say, I know it's okay to be sad. It's, you know, it's a loss. And I know that you are feeling that loss. So that is a good thing. And then, you know, maybe have some way of closure for them. And so that might be writing down things they really appreciated about their teacher or their therapist, writing that teacher a note or writing the therapist a note, you know, so that there's some closure, especially if it was abrupt. And I know sometimes, I mean, with mine, it was abrupt. Like my husband died. On a Monday and Tuesday, I think I sent out an email i didn't I wasn't seeing a lot of people because I was really moving to a lot of my online stuff, so i I mean, luckily, I didn't have a lot of kids I was seeing, but the ones I was seeing for the most part, the majority of them were for a very long period of time. That's why they were still seeing me. So that's a sudden loss, so that closure may not have been provided for them when I know for me, <laughs> for my own relationship with the kids that I worked with. It wasn't the ideal closure because. Of the sudden trauma and craziness that I was dealing with, you know, having that closure, you know, or initiating that closure by writing a letter or saying a good formal goodbye is a good thing. And, you know, any kid that I've seen, if they want to email me and just say, like, hey, I'm doing this, or I had this huge win, you know, luckily for the kids that I see, you know, they can go on my YouTube or some of them, I think, listen to my podcast, although some podcast episodes are not appropriate. So they're not losing, losing me. But I think if you can get your child to write to the therapist, those of you that, you know, are not seeing their therapist anymore and they had a good relationship, that could be a closure for them. And those kind of ritualistic gestures are helpful. I mean, that's what we do. Even in grief, we write letters to the person that we lost and we deal with that through communication. Okay. So the next step is really letting them know that it won't be the same. I think a lot of times we try to convince our kids about how it will be the same. We talk about how, you know, this teacher is going to be just as great, or this therapist is just going to be as wonderful. And it is really good again to acknowledge it's not going to be the same. It's a different person. They're going to have a different style of teaching, or they're going to have a different style of therapy. And when we do that preemptively, if we can, or reactively, if we need to, because it's already happened, that can be helpful as far as letting go of expectations. And so you might say to your child, you know, when you go to your new classroom or you go into your new therapist's office or your new session, because sometimes it's virtual, it's normal to want to compare. It's normal to say this teacher, she kind of snaps at kids sometimes. And my other teacher never did that. Or this therapist doesn't tell weird, funny jokes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't really. And my new therapist doesn't, whatever it is. And so we can preemptively say that to our kids, that it's not going to be the same. And that can be really hard. And it's kind of normal to want to compare, but you know, it's like comparing apples to oranges, oranges and apples. They're all really tasty and they're good fruit, but they taste really different. And that's okay. You can like both. So giving them that, that understanding that that's going to be an inclination and how to work through those feelings, because remember they're kids. And so they're not going to necessarily. Understand why they're having these feelings, where you as an adult might understand that, right? Like if you, you know, you have one best friend and then you move away and then you're developing a new friendship and you might say, oh, you know, she doesn't let me talk as much or she doesn't call me as much. You're going to realize I'm really comparing them because I'm grieving the loss of my other friend. And it's not about this new friend, it's about my loss. As an adult, many adults will intuitively get that, the insight. Kids won't. And so we want to share that for them. The next thing to talk about. If the teacher left in the middle of the school year, or if you're shifting therapists, we really want to make sure our kids understand that it's not their fault and it's nothing personal kids, depending on what developmental stage they're at will personalize things. I mean, they will personalize divorce no matter what, even when you sit down with your kids and you say, it's not your fault, you know, we just didn't get along or whatever you guys say, it's very normal for a child to developmentally, you know, have that, that thought of, I must've done something wrong or I was too difficult. Even with death, kids will sometimes blame themselves. They wanted to leave because I wasn't being a good enough daughter or son. And the same goes even more so probably for relationships that are being severed. The teacher quits in the middle of the school year. Maybe I wasn't nice enough to the teacher. Maybe I gave her a hard time or the therapist just leaves suddenly. Um, And even if it's a death, right? It can seem like, oh my gosh, why would the therapist leave? So explaining to your kids Um, that it wasn't personal. If you didn't like the therapist and your child did, then you might explain to them, I love you so much. And I really want to get you a specialized therapist. And even though your therapist is amazing, there is a specialist and she, all she does is OCD therapy. Cause I know a lot of times people in my audience wind up shifting therapists from a general therapist to an OCD therapist. So that's common in the Parents who listen to this podcast that they have to shift, and their child is very attached to the therapist, and so explaining to them, you know, hey, I want to get you the best treatment, and it's just like I wouldn't take you to your pediatrician if you were having heart problems. Don't use that example if they have health anxiety, (laughs) but it's the same thing for therapists. I I have to bring you to the best. That doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily bond right away or that you're going to love their personality, but it's someone who will know how to give you the right skills if. Therapist had an issue in their life, you know, like with me, then you explain on a kid appropriate level. You know, when someone dies, it's really overwhelming and she only works nights. And so she loved you, but she has to take care of her kids as a priority. Or she's pregnant. And, you know, when you're pregnant, you get really tired and really fatigued. And just, you know, going to work every day is going to be really rough. So whatever the situation is, you really, even if you think your child gets it, even if your child's a teenager, just be sure to touch on it because you'll be surprised at how often people personalize things, especially if they have social anxiety or moral OCD, where they think that they're a bad person, whatever their theme is, it can pop up. So we want to do that. Um, the next thing we want to do is we want to watch out how we talk about the loss, because not only is it a loss for your child, but it's a loss for you, for, for your family, depending on. The level of involvement that you have with the teacher or the level of involvement you had with a therapist, or you might just be sad for your child. So maybe you weren't really involved with the teacher, but you're so sad for your child. And so we can vocalize that. We can say something like, there'll never be a Mrs. Brown again. You know, gosh, Mrs. Brown was your best teacher. I don't think you'll ever get a better teacher than her. For our sensitive, anxious kids, that message, even though it's just a comment, can really be taken to heart so we have to watch that. Or we might say that about the therapist, like, you know, that therapist was the best. You're not going to get that again. We'll never get another whatever. And even though that may be true, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) You don't want to say that or reinforce that because it really isn't true. This is what would be helpful to reframe to your child. And this is how I talk about this is that we get something different from each person in our lives. And I'm not just talking about teachers and therapists. I'm talking about any interaction that we have with people. And sometimes we learn life lessons from a very quick interaction. You might have a conversation with someone talking to your kid now, right? You might have a conversation at um, the playground, or you might talk to a grown-up or one of your friend's parents, and they might say something to you that's so powerful and amazing. And it might really impact you for the rest of your life, but it was a five minute conversation. And that's the only interaction that you're ever going to have with that person, but they're going to impact your life forever. And when it comes to a teacher or a therapist, it's a longer term relationship, but it's also, we still have multiple teachers, many therapists, many people, many friends that come in and out of our lives. And every therapist, every teacher is going to teach you something different. So even if you have a teacher that's teaching you the same information, they're going to do it in a different way. Or if you have a therapist who is another anxiety or OCD therapist They are going to come from a different perspective because we are all different people and we all explain anxiety and OCD differently. We might have different approaches, even if we have the same methodology, you know, we might be all doing cognitive behavioral therapy or exposure response prevention, but we might be doing it in a different style. And so explaining that to our kids again, helps give them permission to feel like, oh my gosh, this is so different. Cause then they go, yep my mom talked about this or my dad talked about this, and this is going to feel different. And to look for the new lessons and and telling your kids, I get it's going to be hard. You're not necessarily going to bond right away with this new teacher and or this new therapist. It's not going to happen and that's okay. It might, and that would be amazing, but don't expect it to because, and I kind of like equate it to new shoes. Have you ever had new shoes and say this to your kid, right? Have you ever had new shoes where, You know, you put them on and they instantly hurt your feet. Maybe you like the way they look and you think I'm gonna give them a good try. And your old shoes, they just they're you can't wear them anymore. They're falling apart, but they feel so good on your feet because they're comfortable and they're what you know. Well, your new shoes aren't gonna feel that way, right? You have to break them in. And so the first day you might wear them and you're gonna get blisters. You're gonna, you know, say, Oh, this rubs me in a different way. This feels different on my feet. I don't like these shoes, but what I would want you to encourage your kids is you have to give it some time, right? Sometimes we have to break in those shoes and those blisters heal. And eventually that new feeling feels pretty good too. They're never going to be your old shoes. They're going to always look different. They're always going to feel different, but they can also be amazing shoes. <laughs> I hope this analogy makes sense. So I think it's important to let our kids know that they're not supposed to like their new teacher right away, or they're not supposed to feel comfortable with their new therapist right away. Like that's a normal thing. but look for the new skills. What's one thing that you actually really do like about your new teacher? And so as they progress and they are dabbling their feet in their you know the beginning days of their new school or their new classroom or their new online therapy sessions or in-person therapy sessions, you know, give them some space, but after a while you might want to say, "I know that they're not your old therapist or I know that's not your old teacher, but I wonder if you can eye spy something that's kind of cool and different about them." Than what you had before that doesn't mean that it's better than it just means that it's different than and so What's something that you enjoy with something that's different and that can really help them look for the lemonade and the lemons It can help them look for the silver lining Um, it can open up their mind and their heart to something else Just because you like someone else doesn't mean that you are taking away from The other person that you lost and I think that that's a hard thing with loss and not even with kids right? That we're afraid. Like if I like this new teacher, does it mean that I didn't like my old one? Or I'm so angry that I've lost this therapist that I don't want to embrace this new therapist. I don't want any other therapist, but my old one, but that's not going to happen. And so it's, how can you adapt? And it will be bumpy for some, and that's okay because just like those new shoes, they don't feel good at first, but you have to give them a try. The last thing I would say is see if you can soften this by, getting them to kind of acclimate to the new teacher or therapist before they actually have to start working with them. Now, Sometimes that doesn't happen. And so life is not always ideal, but if it's a new teacher, it's a bit easy because most of the time they have a meet the teacher night. I don't know with the new world that we live in, but even if they don't reach out to the teacher and just say, I have an anxious child, you know, and they, they really do better with planning. And so can they Zoom with you or FaceTime you before they go to school? Can they come into the classroom? Whatever is going on in your world, in your school, can they get their eyes on that teacher for a little while before they actually have to show up in the classroom? That really helps. Now, sometimes I wouldn't think about doing that for a therapist, but when I was doing therapy, which wasn't that long ago, um, but it's getting farther away now, I always met with parents the first session. And then I would tell the parents before I meet your child next session, Therapists aren't going to be able to do this. (laughs) So, I'm just giving you an example of what I did. But I would say, have them watch my YouTube channel, have them watch one or two videos. And I'd normally send them links to appropriate YouTube videos. But I was like, that's a great way for them to get to know me without feeling overwhelmed. They can watch my video. And so, they can see my mannerisms. They can see what I look like. And so, they know what to expect the first time they meet me. Now, just because a therapist doesn't have a YouTube channel doesn't mean that you can't do something to also soften the blow of a totally New person. So you can pull them up on a website. Go to their website and pull up the picture. You may not think to do that, but that actually really helps your child. What do they look like? Some kids won't ask about that, but they might wonder about that. So go to their website and pull up their picture. If they have a video on their website, play the video so they can kind of see their mannerisms. You can also ask the therapist for the first session can we just do a meet and greet? That's really helpful. So if your child's really anxious, and then you say to your child, the first session is literally just for you to get to know them. And then you ask the therapist, please, like, can we just have the first session, literally just building rapport because they're really anxious. They really like their other therapists. And that can really help lower expectations the first time, because there's no, there's no clinical things happening. The therapist might be kind of assessing your child and how they engage and stuff like that, but there's no active clinical stuff happening. And so it's like a safer transition to the next therapist. So don't be afraid to advocate and say that. Therapists normally would be more than happy to give you a session or two just building rapport. They might already do that. Some therapists they don't jump into it, but having that set expectation helps reduce the stress and pressure on the therapist to, you know, make sure that you feel like it's being productive and they're doing something moving towards clinical stuff because as therapists we can feel pressure. Also reduces any expectations and pressure from your child because you say I talked to the therapist. This first session is literally just getting to know you. Hey, how about you get your art together and show her all your art or, Hey, bring your guitar. We can show her how you play your guitar. Let's go grab the dog. And we'll introduce her to all the pets in the house. You can even have a plan with a therapist that say, these are the things that he or she is going to show you so that you guys can get to know each other. Or maybe you play just games the first session with the understanding that you're building rapport. But I do feel like it should be somehow related to connecting. So playing a game, unless it was a game that is like a get to know you game, I probably wouldn't be as gung ho about because I think it's just getting to know them, getting them to talk about the things that they like the first session. So I hope that helps a little bit. I know firsthand that change is hard. I mean, I'm in the middle of drowning in change right now, and I get it. It is really rough. Uh, Change does help us become more adaptable and resilient. And it, unfortunately there's a quote that I really don't like, but it is very true. And it says, I think, okay, I'm going to mess it up. Something about life. (laughs) The only thing predictable about life is change. There's some, there's more of a beautiful way of saying that, but that's pretty much the essence of it. Is that really the only thing that we can count on is change in life. And I hate that because I like my ways. I like predictability because I'm an anxious person and our kids are the same way probably if they're dealing with anxiety or OCD. So I hope this helps a little bit, give you some ways on how to reframe it and not be afraid of change for your kids as well. Because I think that's part of it is, it's us modeling being okay. You know, like I know this is really hard, but change is everywhere. And there are really good things about change because then we get a new opportunity to to learn some new skills or have a new relationship with another person that just adds to our life and the quality of the things that we're learning. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please don't forget to hit a star or uh, leave a review. I really appreciate when people do that. I do like to end the podcast reading a couple of them. Um, and I don't remember which ones I've read. So, and actually before I do that, I completely forgot to tell you, that I'm starting my survival tools series this week, which is really bad. I should have done this in the beginning of the podcast, but that just shows you where I'm at. So starting May 6, 2021, I'm doing my survival tools series for parents, raising kids with anxiety and OCD. I will leave a link in the show notes. It's a free series. It's three videos. And you can also join the Facebook. I have like a special Facebook group that I create just for the series. Each time I do it, um, I do this series twice a year. So if you've ever taken it. You can take it again. If you have not had the opportunity to take it, take it now. It will walk you through what tools you need to raise kids with anxiety and OCD tools that unfortunately people don't always share if you really want to dive into it. So the videos are, once you sign up, you'll get like an email and you'll get links to the videos. You can watch them at any time during the series. The series runs for about a week. So you don't have to be there live or anything like that. I hate that kind of stuff, but also I do the Facebook group. And so You can join the Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group just for the series. So not my large Facebook group and not my community Facebook group. I do Facebook lives diving deeper on each video. So I do three Facebook lives throughout the series for each video because there's three videos. We have fun. I give Amazon gift cards away. I give some of my classes for free out and you build a community and get that support for the week of the series. The Facebook group is just for the series and then it gets shut down. And so it's just to talk about the series. So if you want to join that, you can look at the link in the show notes, or you can go to, yeah, atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Okay. So sign up. I hope to see you there. I think it will be really helpful. I also want to just thank Adequisto for leaving a review, and they wrote another extremely helpful episode. I discovered Natasha's podcast about 10 months ago. Since then, I have listened to too many to count, and I can say all have been helpful. I was able to join the AT Parenting community six months ago, and it's been life-changing I've learned so much to not only help and support my 13-year-old son who lives with anxiety and OCD, as well as myself and my family. I'm constantly amazed with Natasha's knowledge and professionalism and with the amount of resources that are available. The level of support available in the community is truly amazing and inspiring. Navigating through life with OCD is an everyday struggle, but since finding Natasha in her community, I have so much more hope than ever and believe we can work through it. Thank you. Thank you for writing that. I'm not sure if I read that last time. And I apologize. I just don't have the energy to go back and listen to my own podcast. But I really appreciate that. And I will open up the community at the end of the series. So the community will open up on May 17th. It will open up for three days. It opens up on Monday and it closes on Thursday. So if you want to get notified about that, you can go to atparentingcommunity.com and get on the wait list. The wait list gets notified. They also get notified early. They get special offers early. And so being on that wait list is definitely a smart thing to do. So you can go to atparentingcommunity.com. That is a membership community. It's normally $30 a month and it's crazy support. I mean, I can't even go into how much support you get in there and how much access you get to me actually as well. So, so you can check that out. And I also want to say thank you to super dad from Erie PA. She wrote, Natasha is every mom. I appreciate that. This podcast changed how to deal with anxiety as a parent. God bless you, Natasha, for your continued help. You teach parent to parent humbly and with humor. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for leaving the comment. And if you leave something, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. And for those of you that are going to meet me over in the series, I will get to know you. I will see you in the Facebook lives. If you choose to do that part, you don't have to be on Facebook to be part of the series. And for those of you that join the community, you'll really get to know me. We do Zoom calls, so I actually get to know your face and your stories. Um, We do those once a month. And I actually even get to know your kids because we do kids support group calls once a month too, which is super cool. So until next time, I do hope that you find the sparkle in everything you do. There's my dog on cue. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care.